All right, and welcome back to our um, took a while to get back to it series on why you should be playing different factions for conquest, or as I kind of put it, why X faction is the best. Um, I promised this one quite a while ago, life got a bit busy, but getting back to things, and I'm recording multiple of them now, so you'll see a whole bunch of them coming out over the next couple week, about next week or so. But for this particular video, the goal is to talk about why you should be playing Nords. Um, so the way this structure is going to work, we're going to start by talking a little bit about the lore, some of the some of the history related to this, in case you're the type of person where that's really what interests you and tries to bring you in. We're then going to talk about the overall factions that they have, sort of sub-factions, the way they divide them up. We're going to go through the base rules that make this faction stand out from others. We're going to take a look at the different types of play styles as I see them, mostly focusing on units that are out, but we'll discuss some that are not as well for the ones that especially hit there. We'll talk about why you should be playing them, and importantly at the end, we'll discuss why you shouldn't, so reasons why this might not be the right faction for you. All right, so let's get into a little bit here of the lore. Um, so for the Nords... I like to think of this as sort of that um, old game that kids used to play of two truths and a lie. And the idea is you have what the Nords believe and what the actual truth is, or at least as far as we've been told. So the Nords follow a lot of the base ideas of Norse mythology. If you happen to know anything about Norse mythology, it hits a lot of those, um, those same sort of bullet points, at least to a large extent. So the Nords have two forms of gods, the Vanir and the Aesir, and they are ruled over by Odin. There is prophecies that everyone will be destroyed in the great cataclysm Ragnarok and all of that, and they believe that their gods lived in, you know, the great tree Yggdrasil. So in order to help prevent Ragnarok, the Aesir and Vanir said, when one of your great warriors is going to pass away, usually from battle, but potentially from old age under right circumstances, people is going to pass away, then we're going to take them, and we're going to take them up to Valhalla. We'll take them to our lands, we will heal them, feed them, strengthen them, we will make them ready to help fight for us when Ragnarok absolutely occurs. They called these the ones that they took the Ihenyar. And if, if you know anything about Norse mythology, this is exactly what Norse mythology was. Um, there was the talk about when the time comes that Heimdall will blow the great horn to signal the start of Ragnarok. All of your warriors and us will band together and we will beat back our foes. Um, if you go more into what the Nords believe, you can go through and get a lot of the other names. There's, you know, Loki who stopped Heimdall or, or killed him, all these sorts of little bits. But you can get the rest of the story if you want. But if you know Norse mythology, it's essentially that story. However, the part where it differs, the biggest part, is that when the end comes, the horn isn't blown, but all the Aesir and Vanir are destroyed and Yndrasil burns. So Ragnarok happens, and then there is now the after effects of this. If you know Norse mythology, this is Fimblewinter. And during Fimblewinter, once their gods have been destroyed, the Jotnar, which are essentially giants from the area, because the Nords, I don't know if I said this, but it should hopefully make sense, that they live essentially towards the north. They live in very inhospitable climates. Um, spots where other humans probably just wouldn't be able to carve out a living. But once the 
Ragnarok had occurred or what they believed to be Ragnarok, even though they never got all of it, essentially, occurred. The Einar never showed up, the horn never blew, and the Jotnar came and subjugated them. Um, after some amount of time, the Einar did start to wake up. They did start showing up. And when they did, they were able to save them from the Jotnar. So the Nords were saved by their essentially heroes of old. So the gods are gone. The Ahinyard have started to return and they can start controlling their own destiny again. Now, that's what the Nords believe. In reality, what they tell us is this was actually the Spires and the Weavers. They were the Vanir and the Aesir. And Weavers we're going to see in probably about another year or so from now. And essentially what happened is something worried them. Something they knew was going to come through and potentially destroy them. I, I don't believe it's said exactly what, or at this moment it's maybe not said exactly what. Maybe in old lore they did, but in the more current stuff, it doesn't actually say exactly what it was supposed to be. But something worried them. So they figure their best shot at surviving this is to essentially spin these tails to the people and to take those best warriors and then gene enhance them, bio-enhance them, so that way they could be their army when the time came. So all of these best warriors, that they took all these Ahinyar, they took them back, they did all their biomancy and pharomancies and all their sort of um, biological magic onto these and put them in slumber. And the idea is they would wait there until they were ready, until they were called up. For whatever reason, we don't know exactly what, but for whatever reason, that part never happened. They never actually woke them up. So essentially, they, for all intents and purposes, cryogenically froze them. Um, but never hit the button. Sometime later, they do start actually waking up without the spires or the weavers, as far as we know, having anything to do with that. And as they do start to wake up, they're now these gene-enhanced versions of their previous selves, stronger, faster, better in every single way. And they start going down to essentially rule their people and to make the Nords what we see of them today. So the Nords, I think, are very interesting in the fact that what they believe and what the truth is are very different things. And I think that's a lot of fun for this. For the factions, so we want to discuss a little bit about the different factions that the Nords possess. So for these factions, they're really broken into three, and most of the um, armies in the game are really broken into three. Now, in no ways does this tell you what you can or cannot bring. You can bring anything, bring a mix of all the kinds of stuff. If you know anything about the game, the way to determine what you bring depends on which leaders to these warbands that you're bringing. They can all bring different types of units. But if you want to hit certain themes or just discuss what it looks like, here's the idea. So the first thing you have is the mortals. The mortals are the rank-and-file normal people of this world. So these are not the ones that had really anything to do with the Ahinyar whatsoever. Really what the Nords specialize in is raids, to a lot of extent. They go out and they raid for wealth and, you know, food and resources and all of that. So they raid from the north and they go to these more rich lands to be able to take from them whatever they want. They have a very Viking... Um, for lack of a better term, Viking-related sort of um, belief system and the way in which they work. If you go on these raids and you're successful, then you start getting more power. Then you start becoming more important. 
So when you think of the Huskarls, Huskarls are people who've done successful raids and are now leaders of men. You can then move up to Jarls, and you have a chance, if you can lead even more, essentially going up these ranks, to the Koninkir. Um, whereas we're going to see Koninkir do not have to be exalted. They often are, but they're not required to be. So these are just the normal people trying their best to eke out their living, trying their best to raid and, and do what will make the Nords both proud and prosperous, and then try to raise up those ranks. The next group is the Half-Bloods. So Half-Bloods are what happen when the Ayanyar mate with mortals. Remember, they have been gene-enhanced, essentially. So they're not quite human anymore. So when they mate with different mortals, they get essentially what you would think of as the monster-style races from Norse mythology. So when you think of you, your ogres, your trolls, all of those, those are the combination of Ahinyar blood with mortals. Now, they're often better than mortals in many ways, but there's always a very big downside. So when you think of, say, ogres or the in this Ugers, they're a lot stronger. They have the strength of multiple men and, and big and powerful and all that, but they have the intellect of probably a child. They have very stunted intellects. Um, stalkers, they're great hunters. So stalkers is another one where they're intermixed. They're great hunters and all, but they're repulsed by society. So they're essentially shunning themselves for all intents and purposes. We have the same concepts of trolls and all of that. So the half-bloods are all of the more bestial elements, maybe is the best way to put it. You also get some of the more new new things as well, but it, it's more of those combinations. Last group that they have is the Exalted. The Exalted are usually Ahinyar, but they are not required to be. So if you get to the level of like Koenigears, you can count as Exalted, and you don't have to be an Ahinyar to do that, although that tends to be the case. These are the leaders for their tribes. Um, essentially, they're broken up into, they have their sort of tribes or cities and all of those together. So a Koninkir might be ruling over multiple pieces, all of that, and they have this whole structure to them. Um, they take this all by strength. So the reason why you don't have to be Ahinyar to be able to lead them is because you just have to be able to be stronger than the previous guy who was leading at whatever level he was. They do have an eye, uh, high king. He's usually Arnbjorn. Um, that, that's who it's been for quite a while. That's the guy's name is Arnbjorn. He's the Ahenyar ruler of Eiheim. Um, I might be pronouncing some of these things a little bit wrong, but my hope is my pronunciations are reasonably close enough. So overall, their whole society is ruled by the high king. He has a council. Um, the reason Armion is one of the leaders, or is currently the main leader, and he's lost it at certain points because someone's been better than him, and then he gets it back because he can prove himself to be better than them. Part of the big thing is because him or Koenigir in general were able to have sway over these Jotnar. I don't believe it says exactly why they have sway, or at least they're not telling us why they have sway, but they have sway over, the, over these Jotnar. They can command them because that's essentially what the Nords do. They bring these Jotnar with them who used to subjugate them. They now essentially have subjugated themselves. So you have the regular people, you have the intermixed, and then you essentially have the more pure when you think of the exalted. So those are essentially the factions that you have for the Nords. 
What we want to do now then is we want to take a look a little bit at the rules related to the Nords, discuss what makes them the faction that they are, and then we'll start talking about the ways that I see you could build this out. So, taking a look at the factions here then, or sorry, I'm um, taking a look at the rules here a bit. They, so this is with the current update. There was a previous update before which they only had this Blood of the Ahinyar rule. They now have additional rules. So what Parabellum Games has done is at the time of recording, at least this is the beginning of November, every several months they're working on about three factions is what they did. So in the most recent one, the Nords were one of the factions that got updated. So they got the rules changed a bit and they got a lot of nice additions. We have did a, we, we previously did a video to this. I'll put a link um, here related to that. But we previously did do a video related to these guys and the updates. So if you're a previous player and you just want to see, hey, what's different, what looks changed now, you can watch that video and so learn all about it. All right, so rules changes. They wanted them to feel more like the Raiders of the North. And that first rule, Ice, Flesh, and Blood absolutely does that. So normally in the game, if you're a medium or heavy regiment, if you're going through hindering terrain, if half or more of your stands are going through the terrain, you lose impacts and you lose inspired. What this rule says, and the inspired part I should say is just for the medium and heavy in general. If you're a light, you can get inspired running through um, most of the hindering I play with is woods, but you can run through it no problem. But what this says is if you're medium or heavy from the army, Charging through hindering terrain, you still get your inspired. You might still lose impact, but if you run right through, you have no problem with it. Um, in addition, um, all regiments in this army do not suffer penalties when at least half of their total stands are in a piece of water terrain. You also, furthermore, all regiments in this army suffer half wounds as a result of zonal terrain special rules. So if there's rules of terrain that causes wounds, there's several of them. If that does, you only take half of those wounds, and water doesn't restrict you the same way it does normally. If we take a look for a moment, because me personally, I don't really play with a lot of water features, though if I'm playing my Nords, I would want to. When you're talking about taking damage, you're talking about dangerous terrain, which we have right here. So you roll a die for each stand. On a roll of a six, you suffer a wound. Cavalry take two wounds. They'll only take half. Um, if we look for, do they give us water? There's water. Um, if at least half your stand's rounded up, you get minus one to clash to a minimum of one. So they don't suffer those penalties. So these are people who live at the fringes of society in the worst environments imaginable, and they have adapted. And they have adapted better than others. Blood of the Ahinyar. Blood of the Ahinyar just says, hey, if your infantry or brute regiment has taken wounds to non-character stands, you get plus one to your attack's characteristic. Now, this used to include giants and some other things like that. They stipulate a little bit differently here. Here's the great addition. Because part of the Nord faction, one of the reasons to play Nords, we'll get into this, is heroes. They really play what I would call a hero hammer, if you know old Warhammer. In addition, when a character stand in this army participates in a duel and destroys an enemy character stand, that regiment gets broken. And if they are broken, you shatter them. For anyone who's a little bit newer in the game, when you break, there is big downsides, partly some of them being you can't heal, you don't get the charge, you can't be inspired. So these are big detriments. Shattered, when you are shattered, you are just removed from the board. That regiment is just gone. Normally, to break, you have to lose half of your stands that you had to begin around, and to shatter, you have to lose half again of this new number. 
normally being removed in a duel doesn't really do much in terms of of destroying the regiment. Here it does. So these guys like having their big strong heroes. They like challenging people out. And normally when you deny a challenge, you get broken. When you're broken, you can't deny a challenge. So if they go in the following round and you're still broken, you will have to fight them. And if they destroy you in that duel, they will shatter you and remove your regiment. So they really play up that idea of the Ahinyar being better, stronger, and faster than all the normals. The last one is Prophecy Fulfilled. If an enemy regiment is engaged by another friendly regiment, and non-monster friendly regiments get plus two to charge. So you want to gang up your raiders. You put a lighter unit in, they're tying someone down, and now your big heavier units come rushing forward. They don't do this for the monsters, so things like your giants, your Jotnars don't get this, but that's more of a balanced thing. That would honestly be way too much if they did. So it gives you an overall feel for how this faction plays and the sorts of things that they want to do. Let's get a little bit into the playstyles then. Ah, here we go. So let's take a look at some playstyles. For the playstyles, I kind of group this, and again, this is me personally, the way that I, I consider it. I group these guys into about three different pieces. I see them as sort of the monster mash list. I see them as the very fast moving, very accurate, maybe isn't the best term, but predictable. And the last way I see them is aggressive. So for monster mash, again, if you're a little bit new to the game, um, one, the builder's entirely free. It's a great builder, love using it. And the app is amazing. But when we take a look at this, we can see that if we look down, oh, sorry, I need to do it this way. If we look down here at the bottom, it tells us what you take as a mainstay, which means you can take as many as you want, or what you take as restricted. Restricted just means that you have to have one mainstay for every restricted, and in your warband, you may have four units. So you'll only ever have two restricted units. We can see for here, it tells us the sorts of units that we can take for these different characters. All right, I resized the window there a little bit. There's a little bit of a pause. So if you're watching this, it's been resized. If you're listening to this, I'll, I'll talk through everything as always. But I had to resize it so we could see it all. So if we say, look at the Jarl. The Jarl has his different mainstay units. But for restricted, one of them is, is the Mountain Jotnar. And we said the first way I kind of see it is more of what I might call Monster Mash. Big thing for Monster Mash, if you wanted to... So, when I think of this list, I'm thinking, I want to cram Jotnar. So, at least for myself, the two-player starter set that they have for this in City State, so they have Nords and City States mixed together, one of the options they have in there is they give you a Mountain Jotnar. I have two halves of that, so I have two Mountain Jotnars. Let's face it, the Ice Jotnar and the Sea Jotnar are great-looking pieces. Not, not even saying the way their rules are and the way their models play themselves, but they are absolutely great-looking pieces. So those might be the sorts of, of, of pieces that you want to have for this. The Koenigur is a really great option. One, he comes in that box. Two, he's really just good in general. He gets, um, he can take different aspects. He has great new options. And he has good mainstays, but he can take each of the Jotnars. Now, again, they're restricted, not mainstay. So you can only grab two of them from him. But if you want to fill out his ranking, you could take, say, some Bow Chosen to be able to get some range support. You could take some House Corals to get some more, essentially, standard-type infantry. Um, Steel Chosen, Blade Chosen, we're still kind of waiting on. We can talk a little bit about what they look like, but we're um, waiting on those sort of things. But then you get a couple of your Jotnar. If you want more, your 
um, shaman can take additional. Your shaman can take mountain yotnars and sea yotnars. And the vulva, she doesn't take any of those. She has the most restricted options. So for this, you could, in reality, you, there's lots of ways to take the mountain yotnar. Even your blooded can take him. Your jarls can take him. But if you want the ice and sea, you're looking at Kona gears for pure options or the shaman to get one out of two options. Um, so, but really what you notice, if you want ice, you're taking a Kona gear. So that does mean that if you want, now, I'm not saying that you have multiple ice or sea Jotnars, you absolutely kind of could, but if you do want multiples of these, the Kona gear could take you two. You're only allowed one Kona gear. Be aware of that. In the army, it's the base rule of the game. You can only take one Kona gear. So you could take, say, your ice and sea there. And with a shaman, you could take two more mountain Yonars. So you could end up having, say, four of them on the board. There's ways to get more. Obviously, then you could take a blooded, be able to take some more. It kind of depends on your points and the way you want to stack them. But you could fit quite a few of these big boys in here. They are quite good. If we talk about the ice or the mountain, both of these guys... Uh, sorry, um, ice and sea. Let's not talk mountain. Mountain's a little bit different. He's better than he used to be, of course. But he's still... He's more fragile than you may think, I find, personally. So when we take a look at both of these guys, they're both very comparable in terms of points. They're 240 or 260. Um, C Yotnar being a little bit cheaper, the 241. Um, the C gets less cleave, but he doesn't have Unstoppable, but he does have a ranged attack, naturally. The Ice Yotnar gets better cleave. He has Unstoppable. He's a priest, so he is actually casting magic. And it gives you the list of his spells as well. So I, I see one option is taking these guys. Now, you do need some board presence early. Because this is a game where, yeah, you don't lose the game for having nothing on the board yet. But I don't really want you to be running around scoring or positioning yourself perfectly for when these big guys come in. I do like holding at least one back, though. Because I want to be able to take that later turn four coming in from the side of the board. Especially, say, with my... Honestly, either one... Um, the C Yotnar gets a free volley, so you can kind of reposition yourself and then get that volley on that turn you come in. Both somewhat slow at seven, so I do like having someone turn in, come in maybe, say, turn four, even theoretically turn five if I happen not to roll well. I'm okay with that because I can come in probably, hopefully, pretty far up the board, be able to get in there into a good spot, and the following turn start crushing something. So that's one way I see them. The other way I see them is fast. I see that you can play these guys with a whole lot of speed. And part of the reason for that is the Shaman. I think his is one of the big pieces. So the Shaman, for his Supremacy ability. Supremacy is what you get for your Warlord. His Supremacy ability is that during the Reinforcements phase, you choose two friendly regiments that are not on the battlefield after you roll. So you're going to roll for your regiments. And remember, you get one automatic regiment, then you roll. And he can give two of them Vanguard. Vanguard gives you an extra move. That means if you look at the base moves of any of these units, you're essentially tripling their move. So you're looking at that Ice or Sea Yotan are actually moving 21 inches the first turn if they want. You're looking at some of these other units, some of these units that get to, to move eights and things like that, being halfway up the board or more, depending on the size that you're playing, actually. And like most supremacies that they have now, it's works no matter if he's there or not. So if he's destroyed, you still get it. There is multiple ways in this army to either have units with flank or give units flank. 
So one of the other options, if you take a look at, say, the blooded, the blooded, when you're choosing regiments that come in automatically, he lets them choose two. That's his supremacy. So if you just want more consistency of certain units coming in, the blood is good for a leader. If you want those units to be further up the board, you're looking at shamans. Especially when you look at units, say, like Bow Chosen or Fenrir Packs, Fenrir, sorry, Beast Packs, I should say, or just even your units like Haskarls and things like that, you can get these units high up the board very, very quickly. Yes, some of those units are lights and they don't score, but they do deny. So what I find a lot of times when I play against Nords, one of their big strategies is, well, at least for the people that I play against, um, I might not score all the objectives, but I'm going to be on them earlier than you. I will have probably scoring units on them earlier than you because turn two, I will absolutely have mediums sitting on objectives where oftentimes you won't just because of how far you move unless you have Vanguard as well. So I'm going to be sitting scoring objectives and I can be denying on the objectives that are closer to you. So I can be throwing some of my light units onto those objectives to at least slow down your scoring. If we do take a look, they do have quite a few units um, who actually have flank. So the Fenrir and the Stalkers, the Fenrir Beast Pack have flank and they're a medium unit. They're seven move, 21 inches is going to score most objectives that you would have. You can at least get the mid-board objectives. The following round, so if you want these guys, one with flank means that I can choose when they come in. So they're not a choice I have to roll for. I could be giving them Vanguard which means that I'm really getting these guys pushed forward. Um, the regular rule that they have essentially means that they don't count for reinforcement. But they can rush up very quickly. You get the same exact thing if you take a look at Stalkers. I have some notes on the side to help me remind me of which units do which um, because it can be a little bit much right in the beginning. Stalkers have that as well. They have Flank and they already have Vanguard. Now, they're light, but you can choose exactly when you want them. They're already rushing up well. And that leaves you the vanguard from, say, your your shaman for other people. Or, if you just want to guarantee you get everyone when you want, you could go with the blooded. You could take some units with flank, and you automatically choose when you show up. Um, the other big thing is that the tier 3 of tactical... Tier 3 of tactical retinue is the fact that for 10 points... Now, you had to take the other two, but the other two are good. Don't get me wrong. When you get to the tier three, the stand that that character is attached to gets flank, which means you can automatically choose when they come in as long as it's a legal time for them to come in. They can't delay longer than they're legally allowed to, and they can't show up before they're legally allowed to, but you can choose when. So one option I see with these guys, because I've played against this, is that you just get your units whenever you want. You, you don't have to worry about that random role either helping or hurting you. There's always, when you play this game, I've absolutely had times when I randomly roll and I'm hoping not to get that um, two or less because I want my heavy unit to remain back or my mediums. I need a couple of these mediums. I, I let one auto in, but I really need one or two more and you just don't roll it well. One option you have with these guys is you just get the units when you want and you can get them as far up the board as you want. Um, the other play style I see is more aggressive. Now, they have tons of other units. Obviously, you can play much more mix, or, or you can kind of just play the units you want, of course. You could run a Volva with, you know, the units that she can take. So her main thing is Valkyries. You can get Bless. You can get some rerolls, all this sort of stuff. You can play other styles, but the other main one I see is aggressive. For aggressive play style, 
I'm seeing that as what's currently out is Bow Chosen. You will get some other options as some other things come out. But Bow Chosen are a great ranged unit. They're a little bit short range at 14 inches. But, again, you have ways to get Vanguard. You can kind of get up there. They're expensive, but their volley is on a three. They have five dice attacks that they're doing each with precision shots. So you can really start laying some damage down on people and being light. They could be set up if you can get your cards played just right. They can be set up and hitting your opponent the first turn when they start coming in. Or even if not exactly the first turn, I'm hitting you turn two quite well. Or I'm making you stay back because I'm in a great range. The other main option I see for that, obviously your Jotnars fit that very well because they're quite aggressive pieces. Your trolls can fit that quite well because trolls, the big thing with trolls is regen six. They just, you get a full stand of trolls back. So trolls can be very tough to shift. The other big thing I see for that is werewolves, which will be coming out soon. We don't quite have those in our hands yet, but we'll be getting the werewolves soon. As well as the other two main units I see for that that we have right now is the bear sarks and the other one, the Alphidnar. I'm going to say it's Alphidnar. I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce it, but that's why I'm going to say that. The reason why is all three of these units have Bloodlust. Bloodlust forces you to do charges, and it says that you're allowed to charge the turn to come in off the board. So these are units that when they come in really can do a lot of good for you. This faction I think was greatly improved with Alphinar and the, Basar the Bear Sarks coming in because the Bear Sarks give you something you kind of lack a lot of, which is good cleave and say line breaker. Your giant monsters do, sure, but I'm talking about like baseline things. So to get through armor, they have great options through armor. Um, decent amount of attacks of five attacks, not so many wounds at four, but hey, they got a resolve of five and a decent defense at three. When you look at the Elfenar, and comparable in points, the difference in points is 10 points. They have Lethal Demise, which Lethal Demise is always fun. They don't cleave or anything like that, but they have eight attacks a guy. Their, their clash is only a two. That means if I'm inspired on a three, but eight attacks, if you're going against something that doesn't have good armor or has, say, the decent evade, so the armor wouldn't, the cleaving through armor wouldn't help anyway. I will just take you down with weight of fire. I've absolutely seen this happen with and my anathity. I take you down because I just swing too many. I make you roll too many dice. I swing too many attacks. Um, you look at the different officers they can take, and you can really buff these guys. You can give them a gothy, which gives them blessed and devoted. Blessed, for anyone who doesn't know, which I put up there, once per round you get to reroll your hits or defenses. So that means on these guys with eight swings each, if you have, you have a leader in there for plus a swing, um, you might have some characters in there that do some other types of buffs, but let's just think about baseline. It's eight attacks a stand. That's 24 attacks plus one. So 25 attacks for a three pack of these guys for 200 points. And if you're more worried about damaging than getting damaged, which, uh, you know, they're on defense two, resolve, uh, sorry, um, evade one, but resolve four. So a good resolve characteristic. I'm sitting on 25 attacks on threes on the turn I charge or just inspire and swing and I can be blessed. So 25 dice hitting half the time, re-rolling, you're hitting three quarters of those dice. I don't care what your save is, you're going to fail saves. So if you want to play aggressive, I see that. I see Fenrir Beast packs, obviously things that are faster. Um, those are the sorts of ways I see it. You can also get into certain units. You can get a lot of impact 
you can give a lot of your units impact and things like that. That adds to this sort of aggressive play. So I don't care so much if I get the swing on the charge because I hit you with impact hits. Now I'm in. You don't get your charge or your charge bonuses. So that could be big as well. So in my mind, those are sort of the gameplay styles for these. Um, let's go over a little bit of how to start this faction. So if you decide that these guys are for you, and we'll talk about what that means, best ways to start. This is going to be true for, for all of them. In general, the best way to start is one of these start collecting type boxes. Right now in this Christmas season, which if you're looking to start into this faction or looking to buy some Conquest, we do have an affiliate link. I will have it below. Using the affiliate link, one, it helps support us, which we greatly appreciate. The other thing is it saves you money. Using the affiliate link, you save 10%. So if you want to buy some stuff and you want to save some money, the link is down below. One nice thing they have right now is they have these supercharged holiday deals. So these are going on as we're approaching the Christmas season. And essentially, it's a normal starter, one player starter, with an extra box. So if we take a look at the one they have for these guys, and, and prices may vary, of course. I'm looking at the price currently from the U.S. It has the base starter which we have all the different units that you get from it. You get a unit of Ugers, you get a unit of Trolls, you get a Fenrir Beast pack, you get um, a pack of Stalkers, you get a Blooded. And that's normally the price that this is. But you also, in addition to that, as they show, you get a, a unit of Bow Chosen. So essentially, you save about 45 bucks. All of these best things save you about 45 or so dollars. So one option you have, if you want this, is a great way to get a little bit extra, is to do it now. If you do it now, you're going to get quite a bit more. You have the two-player starter. If you and a friend want to get into this game and they have any interest in city-states, or you have an interest in city-states, it is a nice starter. In that starter, again, you get a Huskarl unit, you get a Koniger, which you're only allowed one of, so this is a great way to get the guy. You get a Mountain Yotnar, so you get a big heavy boy, and you do get some bow chosen. The other side gets some nice options as well. The other option you have, if you want to go just all in right from the start, the other option you have is there's currently for sale a 2,000-point army. Now, it's a bit over $500, but if you count it up, it is a good amount of savings. It absolutely gives you something you run at 2K slash more. A lot of these you could actually, at least I know when I looked at the 100 Kingdom one, you don't even use all of it. There, there's ways to run it to get it over 2K. And it gives you everything you see. It Notice it gives you, you get a sea Yotnar, you get a mountain Yotnar, you get some Ugers, you get a Trolls, you get a variety of things that this army has. You get three different heroes. This is a fully legal army. They do give you the pieces that you can take just as is. And they list down here everything you get and the base price. Um, it's essentially sort of a one-click bundle, but unlike some GW one-click bundles, you actually do save money with this thing. So if you if you know this is what you want, that's a great way to start. Otherwise, I would pick up right now, I would pick up that supercharged holiday deal. If this is after the season when you can't get it, the starter sets are still really great. But that starter set especially, you get some, essentially, some stuff for free. And you get more points and you get a great unit because Bow Chosen are great. You're going to want some Bow Chosen. Beyond that, where would I expand next? If you don't have any of the Jotnars, I would pick the Jotnar that I like, whichever one that you want, because to me, that's a nice... I've painted up a bunch of infantry. Now I get to paint a nice centerpiece model, and I think that's a great way to go. Uh, beyond that, I think if you're looking at Huskarls and things like that, you just need more of them. You're not going to want to take a little three-pack of these guys. You're going to want more just to be able to even say survivability. So I think you start looking at some Huskarl units. I think the new, the Bear Sarks, or the Offenar, 
either one of those would also be a great option because those are brand new boxes just came out. They really add a lot to the faction. But I think for me personally, after this box, I would grab one big boy that I like and then I would supplement my Haskarl units or um, essentially one of my base type units, whatever base unit I'm going with. Um, I might be picking up maybe some base raiders or stalkers, but I would pick up some of them to be able to flush out a bigger squad of those sort of units. Um, that's what I would go with. So let's talk about why you should play these guys. So if you're thinking about going to these guys, reasons to play them. One, you like Norse mythology. This is Norse mythology. That's absolutely what it is. They do have that cool twist and feature and all, but if you really like that sort of idea, it plays very well with that. If you like the fact that it's sort of, yes, it's this, but it's not really. If you like a little of that play, hey, great faction to go with. Um, another good reason to go with these guys, if you like the combination of humans and monsters. So if you look at spires, yes, spires are humanoid, and they do have monsters. The, the new abomination, which I will say does look very good. I like that a lot more than the base abomination. But if you like the play between what you think of as your normal people and ogres, trolls, and and you know werewolves and all of that so if you kind of like that interplay this is a faction that gets it where the other ones really don't the other ones either tend to be much more monster or they're not quite human with monsters so if you think of say old dominion yeah they look humanoid but not exactly humans these are base people and they have that particular look to them if you want them to be more militaristic looking then you have say city states the other thing is aggressive playstyle. I think these guys are one of the more aggressive factions. I think them and uh, Spires are some of the most aggressive. Spires win the game early. I think Nords do the same. In most games, when I play against Nords, Nords go up big on points early. They sometimes have issues sticking around, and I think that's one of the downsides to this army. But if I can get in and get my points and get through, say, some of your units early, I position myself very well. I find with Nords, I either know the game is over, turn four or five, like, we'll play it out, of course, and maybe I can get some great dice to roll my way. But I'll know they've scored so much and I'm in a really bad spot, or they haven't done enough and I can kind of roll over them to an extent. So to me, that's why you play them. So why shouldn't you play them? One of the biggest downsides I think they have, and, and, and this is a downside for a person personally, they don't have a uniform look at all. Their units look very, very different. So when I think of city-states, city-states have a lot of, you know, very similar look. I can give them the same sort of cape or cape-like features. They have armor, which I can make very congruent. They look like an army put together. Hundred Kingdoms has that. You, you can make your, your different horse units look different if you want, but you could go for that similarity of look to them if you wanted. Old Dominion, you have rank and file, and then you have some some monster type stuff, but you got a lot of rank and file people. Um, Spires, again, they vary a little bit more, but they, they have a somewhat similar look, I think. And I think here, these guys don't have the quite similar look. You do have these sort of Raiders of the North. Then you have very looking different monsters, I think. For an, a faction that is humans with extra, I think the look varies quite a bit. I think you have some units that have like essentially no armor, tons of skin. You have other units with a lot of tartans or covered up. I think the look can vary a lot. So I think one reason would be is if you just, obviously you don't like the look. And I think that's one reason you might not like the look. The other thing is I think depending on what you like to paint. There's a lot of skin here. There's a lot of tartans. 
Um, there's a lot of those sort of things. If you're not a person who enjoys painting a lot of skin, painting a lot of tartans, painting a lot of pieces like that, painting a lot of little bits, probably not for you. Let's face it, this is a game where you got a lot of models to paint. So if you don't like painting that kind of stuff, not a good idea. Um, other thing is, it's like I said, we mentioned the playstyle. I kind of see them as aggressive in general. You know, early game, not late game. If that doesn't in, if that doesn't sound good to you, this would not be the faction for you. If you prefer to have something that really just kind of tanks or slogs its way out or kind of hits back, you know, you this faction is to me more of the hammer than an anvil. So if you prefer that other sort of play style, if you prefer more slow and methodical, or you prefer maybe more survivability, this really isn't for you. So to me, those are the only sort of reasons you wouldn't. Obviously, look is a thing, and, and I kind of highlighted what I think are the big characteristics in their look. And the other thing is, is the big part of that play style. So that gives us a bit of Nords. So in this, we, we talked about the good, the bad, and everything else related to Nords, why you should play them, what you should do with them. If you have any thoughts, um, so I do put this out on Podcatcher, so obviously you can listen there. But if you want to share your thoughts, if you play Nords and you want to tell me what you think of them, or if you agree or disagree with any of this, comment below if you're on the YouTube. Um, other things that help us out, obviously likes, comments, subscribes, all that kind of stuff really helps us. As we start to approach 1,000 people, it really does help out. Um, currently, I won't throw up the graphic because a lot of people do. We have a lot of people who come back to watch a lot of our videos, but we don't have nearly as many subscribers. We have about one-third right now, so I'd really like to be able to see that change. I think it would really help out. If you are interested in picking up anything for Conquest, I will have the affiliate link below. Like I said, it saves you 10% and it helps us out. And that really helps us be able to get you more great and hopefully consistent content. I do apologize for this video being as late as it is. I wanted to do this quite a while ago, but hey, life got crazy. But for the moment, at least, I have some more free time. And I'm recording this one now. I'm recording one on... Um, spires, if not today, tomorrow. It'll come out a little bit after this, but I'm trying to record them in quick succession because right now we haven't been able to record other stuff lately. Um, life's just been kind of nuts for us. I don't want to go into all of it, but like Dan has horrible allergies. So when it hits him, essentially, he, he, if you ever watch Venture Brothers, I told him last night when I was talking to him, he sounds like Dr. Girlfriend. We can't record things when it sounds like that. So, and, and my myself, I've had some things going on as well. So, since we haven't been able to put out normal episodes, I have a whole bunch of these sort of things I want to put out. So, if you want to see more Conquest content, tell us what you want to see. Comment below. Tell us what you like. If you just listen to Podcatchers, hey, hop on over. Look at the video. Uh, tell us what you think. All right. Well, on behalf of everyone here then at the show, until the next part of Conquest Corner, has a good hobbying and some great gaming.